Welcome to the Weight Loss for Women podcast, a place where we share everything you need to know about restoring your metabolism so you can eat more, train less, and lose weight in a healthy and sustainable way. I'm Kitty Bloomfield, co-founder of New Strength and Saturated, creator of pro-metabolic food supplements and seriously saturated skincare. And today I've got Lucy Quick on the podcast to talk all about booze. One of my favorite, but not so favorite things. <laughs> Just Hi, Kitty. Oh, thanks so much for coming on. Lucy did the program about 18 months ago. Um, and yeah, she just messaged me on Instagram, just talking about what she does in her program. And I just thought, oh yeah, this would be so relevant for our audience because so many of the women that we work with really struggle with drinking, like a lot. Mm, It's a real problem and it's affecting their life. So yeah, what a great, I thought a great opportunity for you to come on and talk a bit more about what you do and then potentially women can, you know, work with you because it can be really difficult to try and stop drinking. It absolutely can. Thank you so much for having me, Kitty. It's so awesome to be here with you. Um, So I run Thrivalist, which is a community with coaching and courses to support women with changing their relationship with alcohol in an empowered way. So I'm really passionate about helping to remove the stigma around having a drinking problem. So that allows women to feel sort of safe and supported to get the help they need. And I'm also really passionate about helping guide women towards recreating their lives because when we quit drinking, it's so important that we're not just pressing pause or stopping with alcohol, but we're actually taking a look at our entire life and cleaning it up and making sure that it can really support us into sobriety to have a really healthy, happy life. Mm. Um, And so as you mentioned before, Kitty, one or a lot of women struggle with their drinking, especially women in the 35 to kind of 55, 60 age bracket at the moment in Australia with research saying that one in five are currently struggling with their drinking. So it's a really big thing. So, mm. And I think even like like our stories are quite similar, I think, with the drinking and the drug taking and all the crazy stuff that we did. And, you know, I always used to I used to party, but then I would drink to cope with stress. You know, whenever something happened, I would feel sad, you know, numb emotions every night, you know, and also too because I was starving myself, so I was hungry. So I'd come home, mm. just crack open a bottle of wine and be drinking the wine while I would make my dinner. And, mm. yeah, it's it's a horrible feeling. And you just you just get stuck in this cycle, like you talked about, where you drink to numb the pain, and then you wake up and you feel hungover, and you're like, oh, "I'm not going to drink." And then you hit five o'clock, and you do it again, and it's this vicious cycle. It is absolutely, and it's such a um, it's such a counterproductive cycle to be stuck in because we're using it to try and feel better at the end of the day as a coping mechanism, not knowing. I mean, I didn't know for you know the twenty the 20 years that I drank, but not knowing that it's actually exacerbating all the stress. So every time we drink, heaps of stress hormones are flooded throughout the body, which just makes us feel so much worse. And that that's why we tend to drink more and more and more. So it's very mm-hmm. counterproductive. And then you do stupid things. Like yeah. We were just talking about Lucy said she got banned from Uber. What? So that was um that was my final rock bottom after a 20-year career of being an absolute messy blackout drunk I call myself and it took me you know a long time to work out that I could actually just not drink alcohol and have a fantastic life I always thought that I spent you know most of my drinking life trying to control it and trying to make it work so that I could keep drinking and Mm -hmm. I just kept failing over and over again so it was just such it's such an empowering moment to go oh my God, I actually don't need to drink at all. I can be sober. There is a space for me as a sober woman to have an amazing life. 
Mm. And that's the journey that I started at the beginning of 2019 after getting banned from Uber in my final rock bottom. <laughs> where, where have you been? Like, did you go out to a party or dinner? It was Christmas or... Day. Oh. So it was Christmas Day 2018. And at that point I was in a really unhealthy marriage. I was really unhappy. Um, mm. But I was also drinking like a fish. So that was probably, you know, causing half of my unhappiness. I was yeah. really overweight. I was about 25 kilos overweight. I had a little baby, a six-month-old baby and a daughter. Um, and it was Christmas Day and I basically got to my sister's house for Christmas Day and got blackout drunk within an hour. I was an absolute mess. I made a massive fool of myself in front of the family, in front of my children, thankfully too little to remember. Um, but then I decided to go to a friend's party that I wasn't really invited to. She'd loosely said, come over. I didn't realize it was her family that were there. So I rocked over on my own, no handbag, just my phone, bare feet, my Christmas day dress, absolutely like blind. an absolute blind. Um, and she very quickly got me to leave the party. I broke the fence on the way out trying to climb mm. over it and then got put in an Uber and I don't remember. So this is all, as I'm describing this to you, this is not from me remembering. It's literally it from being you. told what happened. And I woke up on Boxing Day 2019 in the spare room knowing I knew that I'd had a fight with my husband. I couldn't remember, you know, all of the details, but I had that horrible anxiety mm. and that shame and remorse in my body. I'd also wet the bed, which used to happen all the time when I drank too much. And I woke up to a notification on my phone saying, your Uber account has been suspended. And that was all. And that was the, you know, the moment where I realized this is getting to a point of being so out of control. Like what's going to happen next? Am I going to drive drunk? Am I going to do something completely illegal and hurt someone? Well, I've done that. Done for drink yeah. driving. Spent the night in jail. Oh, wow. Like kitty. Yeah. I've done a lot of dumb shit. Thank God. Yeah. Anyone. Thank God. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I know. So that was it. That was when I decided I, I went on this kind of path of quitting and I decided initially to take a break and, you know, I'm going to take a month off and everything will be fine after a month. But thank God, I, I honestly believe the universe was trying to, you know, show me and guide me towards sobriety. I found out about this book called Sober Curious written by Ruby Warrington. It's an amazing book. Mm -hmm. And it basically was the first time I've ever looked as looked at sobriety as not a sacrifice. In fact, it's a beautiful gift. Life in sobriety without alcohol is such an amazing life. And we've been brainwashed and conditioned since we were kids to believe that alcohol plays an important part in our lives. It plays a role. And that's just the brainwashing we've received from the mm. media and the alcohol, big alcohol industry. So trying to shift those subconscious, those beliefs around, you know, alcohol means a fun night. Alcohol means I can have better sex with my partner. Alcohol means I'm more enjoyable to be around. So all of this bullshit, it's all bullshit. Mm -hmm. It's all lies. No, you are right though. You're right. Like it's just, I was the same too. And I think it's all rubbish. Yeah. And then, you know, like I was telling about my sister that she's, they're drinking, like they don't drink much at all now. And she's like, oh my God, there's all these people that I just don't really like that much. And I used to just join yeah. when I was around them. So she's like, now I really spend my time with people that I really enjoy being with genuinely without really? alcohol. Yeah. 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 Your social circle certainly gets smaller. And I think we were talking about this before um, where, you know, it's a really great sift for those real people, those real authentic, beautiful connections with people. Mm. Um, and then you attract a whole bunch of new people who are on that same health journey. Mm. Yeah, it's, mm. it is. And you know what I think? Like I say to women too, I'm like, 
just stop drinking and see what happens. Like mm. you guarantee, you know, like you say, you're like hardline, no booze. Yeah. I will still drink infrequently. Um, but I just, whenever I do it, I enjoy it. But then I'm like, I re- am reminded why I don't want to drink all the time. Because when you don't drink, you feel so good. Like you'll just mm. feel so good. You'll sleep so well. Your training will be amazing. You know, if you've got body composition or health goals, that'll happen quicker. And then you'll go back and find this with me in our program all the time. Like they'll go and have like Lou Driver's someone who hasn't drunk for years, doesn't really drink. And she went and had like five drinks and she's like, oh my God, Kitty, I was so hungover. I'm not doing that again. You know, like you're just like, fuck, this isn't actually that good. You know, so you do it so much less, I think. But like you said, yeah. like, can't do it at all. Like Mel, one of our coaches, she just doesn't drink at all. She's yeah. like, I can't have one drink, Kitty. Yeah. Zero or think, a million. <laughs> zero or a million. I think there's, yeah. and, and so that comes down to the way that our brain is wired and there's a whole bunch of kind of factors that play into why someone can moderate and then someone else can't. Um, and so it's the basically the neural pathways in our brain are so deeply embedded to support that drinking behavior. And that was for me, like I drank, I got blackout drunk and it just kept happening over and over again. To rewire the neural pathways, there's work that needs to be put in place. And that's why, you know, something like Dry July is an amazing um, initiative and cause, but it's so important not just to stop drinking and kind of what we call white knuckle, which is I'm not going to drink. I'm going to hold on and get through this month. And then I'm going to go back to drinking yeah. again. It's like doing a, it's- an, an, like a, a diet program where you like yeah. eat hundred calories and you go like, I'm just going to do this for eight weeks. And then I'm <laughs> going to go back to what I did before. You've actually got to make exactly. permanent lifestyle and behavior changes. Totally. And obviously with your program, it's all about like literally rewiring your brain so that you have these healthier habits when it comes Mm. to food choices and the way you eat and train. And it's the same with alcohol. You've got to do that deeper work of firstly understanding like, why am I using alcohol? First of all, like that's the most important question and Mm. sitting with those feelings. um, And, you know, I often say, I, I say to my clients, a craving is actually a really beautiful invitation and opportunity to figure out what's going on for you on a deeper level because you're being called to do something more. You're being asked whether that's, you know, as simple as you're thirsty or you you need connection, you're craving a cuddle or you need sleep. There's always something deeper under the surface. It's never the alcohol you're craving. It's something Mm. else. Mm. And so looking at that why and when I look back at my drinking behaviour and that pattern I got into towards the end, which was get in the car, go through the bottle shop, two bottles of wine, get home, pour the wine before I've even started cooking dinner for my kids, like literally straight to the fridge. That was the behavior that I was stuck in. And I should have just stopped and said, okay, so what am I needing? What I'm actually needing is I'm really dehydrated. My blood sugar's not stable. I'm hungry. Totally. That's Um, that's actually a really, I just want to quickly cut in. Yeah. Women in our program, I think, obviously, like even when you do that, there's obviously sometimes other things that are just driving you to drink, but that's a huge one. Like I Mm. find I actually eat enough, you know, when I started eating enough and a lot of women say the same, they're like, I get to dinner, I'm not craving that alcohol because my blood's stable and balanced. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm eating enough Totally. Because we're eating our food. And another thing about blood sugar is when we drink, our body actually prioritizes detoxing and processing alcohol Mm. over everything else. And when you look at all of the bodily functions that we have, one of them being to stabilize blood sugar, that actually gets thrown out the window. So that's why when we're drinking, we're often eating more, we're hungrier. And Mm. then the next day we wake up, obviously dehydration, low blood sugar, all Mm. of those things leads to wanting to just eat through the day. So blood sugar is, yeah, a big 
plays a big did, role. Did you used to, oh, I used to just eat all day. Like I would get up, I'd go to McDonald's, I'd yeah. have, get the drive through. My favourite was like the sausage and egg McMuffin with extra yeah. sausage. I'd get extra <laughs> rounds, orange juice, and then I would just eat all day shit all day all, like day. The, all the meals yeah. all the meals, all the meals. Yeah. cuz i just it couldn't wasn't like the one cheat day no. and that's like 3 days worth of food right in one totally. day of dog <laughs> shit food too it was like sometimes my this friend of mine i'm still friends with him he's awesome but we would have like hangover theme days for food so like <laughs> i remember this time so bad but after i had my breast surgery this was like 10 years ago implants you know have all the the, the drugs like yeah. all the hardcore painkillers. So I had a heap of them left over. So we went out all night to this festival, drank so much booze, took pills, and then got home at like 5 a.m. and then sat on the couch and took painkillers and then had a Mexican theme hangover day. Oh my God. <laughs> That's it's so funny. crazy when you think about how much like I, I actually had this little thought the other day. I thought I spent the first half of my life because up till 35, I quit drinking when I was 35, completely fucking my body up. And now I'm going to spend the last half of my life, like I'm so focused on wellness and health and food and nutrition and exercise now. It's so funny, like one or the other, like, yeah. It is. It's crazy. Mm. But I think too, like you just I think about what I used to do. Like I'd go out in these three-day benders, not sleep for three days, drink copious amounts of booze, not speed to stay awake. I would work all day and then go out again. I think, have one night of bad sleep now and I'm like, oh, the world is ending. You know, oh, how no, the fuck did I used to do that shit? Totally. It's crazy, isn't it? Um, yeah, I know. And sleep yeah, is so it's obviously so important and the alcohol affects your sleep. You're right. Even oh, talk about yeah. talk, okay, let's talk about all of the shit that alcohol does to your body. <laughs> okay. And so I think it's less about like what is the shit that alcohol does and more about like what would taking a break, what does that Give me what am I going to get if I decide to press pause on my drinking for a little bit? I like and that. Sleep. Put the positive spin on it. I like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, because that's how we're wired, right? We're not going to be driven, and and this is where we talk about in getting sober. And it might be the same with your work. It's the push factors of wanting to do it. So that's the hangovers, the anxiety, the nuts, you know, the blackouts, the wetting the bed. That's they're the push factors or getting caught drink driving. And then there's the pull factors, which are well, oh my god, sobriety gives me the most deep restorative nourishing sleep oh my god I'm actually losing weight and I haven't really changed anything in what I'm eating um, mm. I've got the energy to go training and I've got you know this so much more drive for the gym work you know imposter mm. syndrome goes we've got confidence finally so they're mm. actually all of the things that keep us in sobriety rather than all of the negative stuff which will push us but then mm. we need to focus on all of the, the beautiful things anyway so sleep is greatly affected by alcohol and people who come to Thrivalist will often say that they have some form of insomnia and it's because yes alcohol is a sedative so it sends us off to sleep but it actually prevents us from getting those beautiful deep REM cycle sleeps that sorry REM sleep cycles that we actually need to feel restored Um, and even one glass of wine or one standard drink will decrease your sleep by the quality by 10 percent and then any more than that is around 24%. And then a heavy night of drinking, which would have been me, um, is about 50%. So I was getting 50% of the quality of sleep I needed for, you know, however many years, 20 oh, years same. that I was drinking. It's insane. Yeah. You, it's you, insane. You, I think to myself, how did I do it? How did I, I actually know. do it? 
for so long. <laughs> like, like you said, like my dog wakes me up once in the night now and the next day I'm like, oh, I had the worst sleep. <laughs> I know, it's so bad and the hangovers. And look, and I think too, like a lot, because a lot of women who listen to this, they come into our program with hormonal imbalances. So yes. cycle issues, menopausal, perimenopausal issues, and, you know, alcohol is so estrogenic, you know, even just having mm. a wines or beers will raise your estrogen levels for like 24 to 48 hours. And I just find with women who cut it out, mm. they see much quicker, much more improvements in their cycle and menopausal symptoms. And when they go and have a drink, then the symptoms come back. Yeah, it's so true. Yeah, We have a, a menopause expert inside Thrivalist. And, you know, the easy, the, the most basic way to describe this in layman's terms is, again, it's the liver will prioritise detoxing the, the alcohol yep. before anything else. So obviously we need to process our hormones and that happens through our liver. And if our liver is so busy processing all of this horrible <laughs> alcohol, it doesn't get to the hormones properly, which is why the estrogen levels are often increasing. And alcohol, and this is a little bit of a scary stat, but as I said before, it's it's carcinogenic. And a majority of alcohol attributed attributed breast cancers are actually caused by women who drink moderately, which is really quite scary. Mm. Um, And that's that estrogen. So all of that leftover estrogen in the body is what research is kind of telling us, okay, so that might be linking to the breast cancers in these alcohol attributed breast cancer cases. So it's really quite scary how much it can impact our health. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, you just, they just see it. Like they'll put it in our Facebook group and be like, oh, I had a few drinks, you know, and now I've got the hot flushes again. Hot flushes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's amazing. Like these, the symptoms of I had a really shitty cycle. I've, I've had it myself too. Even heavy, um, oh, sorry, even heavy periods. Like yeah. for me, I used to get the most horrendous periods. And now yeah, it's same. like, oh, you yes. know, it's no big deal. Yeah. Well, it's, it's literally poison. Like you're putting yeah. poison into your body. So you think like your liver, yeah, it's, it can't detoxify that estrogen if it's trying so hard to just get rid of booze. It is yeah. totally. It's, I mean, it's um, it's it's ethanol, which is found in rocket fuel. It's found in cleaning products. It really is poison. <laughs> it's pretty, it's, I shouldn't laugh about it. I just, you know, I think back to all the stupid stuff that I've done, but it is really just, you know, I think for so many women, like talk about like really having that honest, hard conversation with yourself about like, why am I drinking so much? Am I drinking every day? What am I? Yeah. I think, I think like if anyone is kind of thinking about their relationship with alcohol or has any kind of inkling that maybe they're drinking too much, that's an indicator that, okay, that's a red flag. There obviously is an issue. As I said before, people with normal, healthy drinking relationships, they don't even think about it. It's not even on their radar. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that first question is to get really real and honest with yourself about the whys and how can I, and so when we look at what happens to the brain with alcohol around dopamine, how can I be getting dopamine in healthy ways kind of every single day incrementally as opposed to needing that kind of big hit of dopamine at the end of the day that wine gives me? Mm. And that's where creating beautiful, healthy coping mechanisms and and building them into our lives so that they become habitual. So it's like getting up a little bit earlier and doing a small meditation. It's having your lemon water before the coffee and all of the, the little healthy things that help us. It's taking up a hobby that actually brings us joy and it boosts our dopamine in healthy ways. Um, so all of those sorts of things are going to help us feel so much better and not need to kind of take the edge off with wine if we really are taking care of ourselves properly throughout mm. the day. 
Um, and so that understanding our why behind, firstly, why we drink. And then secondly, if we are thinking of taking a break, why are we trying to take a break is really important. And that is really motivating in itself as well. And can you talk about like, because a lot of women will say to me when I say to them, why don't you just stop drinking for the, when you're in the program? Like, just give it a go. Like, see what happens. You know, your results will be quicker. You can always go back to it if you want. You know, what's the worst that would happen? They say, oh, but Kitty, you know, I'm scared to go to parties or see friends and I'm going to get that pressure and everyone's going to ask me about one. Mm. Talk about that and some strategies yeah. because that's okay. a common thing. It is. And so the top two fears when anyone starts this journey is how will I socialize and mm-hmm. connect with people? Um, mm-hmm. And the other one is a fear of failure, which I think most of your ladies would, or community would have as well, that fear of not being able to succeed. So when it comes to socializing, when we're not drinking or we've decided to, to press pause, it's so important that we are so prepared. Like I often say, you can't be too prepared for social events. And with that comes knowing ahead of time what you're going to drink. So really thinking about if the, you know, you can actually ring venues and see, okay, what's on their alcohol-free drinks list. I don't think the Gold Coast is where Melbourne is now. Melbourne's got heats of alcohol-free wines on most, not most, a lot of restaurant wine lists now, which is so great. But mm. having that option so you don't feel like you're put in a position where the, you know, the waiter comes and asks what drink you want and you have to order lemonade because you haven't thought about it yep. or you're suddenly just like, oh, and this is quite a common thing you'll suddenly just order a champagne because it's the easiest. Everyone else has ordered it. I'll just get one too. So really preparing for that moment of that first drink and then what you're going to drink throughout the night is so important. Also preparing what we're going to say to people. And we often talk about the different types of kind of groups in our life in terms of, you know, our inner circle. So these are the people who we deeply trust and love with our most vulnerable kind of you know, shares. And so these people, it's okay if you want to tell them the truth. And that might be a private conversation you have before the event. Um, And then there's that next layer of people, which are like your acquaintances and you get to choose whatever it is you want to say to these people. No one's saying, okay, you need to go and tell them you've stopped drinking because you think you've got a drinking problem. You get to choose to say, I'm on a health kick or, you know, I'm having an allergic reaction or it's bloating me heaps lately or whatever it is. Mm. But being prepared with those responses is going to stop you from being in a position where you kind of put off and, and, you know, it's a little bit awkward. Um, Mm. And again, you end up just ordering a drink because it's the easier option. And then you're going to find these other group of people, which are called what we call drink, um, drink pushes or alcohol pushes. And these are the people that, and not going to really like the fact that you're not drinking because it's holding a mirror up to their own drinking. And they're going to question you like, well, why are you not drinking? Um, why can't you just have one? Like, surely you can just have a couple tonight. Oh, it's my 40th. You know, it's really important that you drink. You're one of my best friends. How am I going to have a great night? It's so interesting. So- you sort of think like, who gives a fuck? Like, whether who I drink or not, people, yeah. Well, they do. They often, and it, and it is because, well, a lot of people have those deeply associated connections with alcohol around like, well, it's my 40th, we're all going to get pissed or a hen's party. We're getting a hammer into the city and going to the strip club. Like, of course, we're going to be pissed. And it's really hard when we decide to take a break because we don't get to kind of stop all of our social events. We still have to go out and do these things. Mm. So it can be really challenging. And that's where, you know, having those conversations with people beforehand, if they are big events like weddings or whatever they are, having those conversations and letting the host know 
just so you know, I'm not drinking, probably not the bride, but the hen's party, you know, just so you know, I'm not going to get blind on your hen's party. Mm. I'm doing this and and really having that conversation beforehand is important. Um, But yeah, it's really, it comes down to being really prepared and it sounds a bit like over the top, but the last thing you want, if you do really want to get through, let's say dry July or the eight week signature sobriety course at Thrivalist, you really want to get to that end end period. You've got to be so prepared so that you can't be swayed or put off. Because mm, easy, mm. it's easy to get yeah. swayed. I think, and I really it's so like, easy. like, I think if you really have a problem and you can't do it on your own, like, do something like your course, because yeah. get into a community of like minded women who are all on the same path. Who you know, like, because I think it you, support. Like, you really do need support. I think some people, yeah. someone. Yeah, totally. I think. You know, I created Thrivalist because I couldn't find that support. I, I went to AA. I wasn't really extreme enough for rehab and, um, you mean, that there's not really a community there anyway, but I tried AA and I just didn't find my people. I often felt yeah. kind of, I used to get anxiety before I went because it was quite a disempowering experience for me. And that's not to say it's not fantastic for, for other people. But just so that's why AA, like, sorry, just about, like, no, right. so I've never been there, but I feel like it's like you're labeling yourself as like, I'm an alcoholic. Yeah. You're, you're not like, like, so, so your whole life you're like, oh, I'm an alcoholic. I don't know. It just doesn't seem, it seems. Yeah. yeah like, I don't think that would be something that I would find very useful either. Like your program sounds like, you, you know, you're not an alcoholic. Like labeling yourself as an alcoholic for the rest. I don't know. That's just what I've always yeah. thought. Yeah. The word alcoholic is actually like a colloquial term. A doctor would never say you are an alcoholic. They shouldn't. They'd probably say you have a mild, moderate or severe alcohol use disorder wherever you sit on that spectrum. Mm. But you're right. I mean, to say I'm going to be struggling with this and I have to say I'm an alcoholic for the rest of my life. I mean, I don't ever think about drinking anymore. Like it's not even part of, like I'm totally free. I will never drink again and I'm so confident and, you know, but yeah. according to someone at AA, that would be really frowned upon to speak like this because I'm yeah. always going to be in fear of the fact that I'm going to fall off the wagon. Yeah. 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 I'm always an alcoholic for the rest of my life. Yeah. yeah. And you're constantly fighting this battle that you're just going to go and drink again. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah. never made sense to me either. But I mean, I like, think like, you know, I have people. to, yeah. And I have to just put a little kind of, I guess, disclaimer or whatever over that, what we've just talked about, because there are some people who will literally be struggling with this for the rest of their life. And that's sad. And they're the people on the extreme end of the alcohol use disorder spectrum, mm. severe. And so for those people, AA is actually really, really helpful and important. Every day, go to a meeting. But they need. Um, they need that. Yeah. And that's because they have this really severe addiction, whereas most of the women um, in Thrivalist and the women that kind of, you know, that one in five, they all sit in that gray area in terms of the spectrum. So they're gray area drinkers. They're not drinking at a severe level. They're drinking at, you know, way more than the, the, the guidelines, government guidelines of 10 standard drinks a week. They're probably drinking a bottle of wine a night or mm. a little bit more. Um, but it's not at that point of like needing a drink to kind of get through the day. It's not the severe end. I often wonder too, like, and this is just a comment, I guess, or just a thought, you know, what is the reason for the drinking? Mm. Like you're actually addressing the root cause of why you need to drink all the time. Yeah. It's, do you mean that question for someone who has a severe alcohol use disorder? I don't don't know. Like, just like, I I think to myself, well, like, I don't know, what's a severe, like, I think I took a lot of drugs. (laughs) 
and drank a lot of alcohol every day in severe, like same as you, like blackouts. Like I didn't know I'd wake up next to guys, no one naked, no idea how I got there. Could have been raped. Could, like just yeah. like, and you think, well, why was I doing it? You know, what, think of- yeah, like what made me change? I think about what really made me change eventually to not do it anymore. You know, like I just, like there must be a reason for most women. Do you women- think it was a self-worth thing? Like looking oh, for. Totally, totally. Like I was like when I, you know, like I just, like I lost my virginity at 17 and I was wasted all the time and I was like, oh, for guys to love me, I get them to fuck me. You know, that, that, then I'll find love. Yeah. Dieted and was skinny and drank and took drugs and just looking for love, looking for that validation through sex and, mm. you know, years and years and years of it, I think. Mm. You know, yeah, totally. And, yeah, like I don't know, like it's obviously not the same for everyone, but there must be some, like, and for any addiction, I guess, right? Like, whether it's alcohol or drugs or gambling or sex mm. or whatever, um, I don't know. Like, Doctor, I'm not sure. Do you know Doctor Gabor Mate? He's mm-hmm. an amazing uh, psychologist, and he specializes in addiction. And he'll say, "Don't ask, you know, why the addiction. Ask what, like, ask what the problem is. Like, don't. That's right. Yeah. You know, and there's always something that's driven underlying. Yeah, yeah, it is. There's root causes, and we talk about like this kind of perfect storm um, for someone to get into a position of having an alcohol use disorder, which. You know, for me, it was I had a really unhealthy marriage. I was deeply unhappy, but I was too scared to face the fact that I needed to leave my husband. So I was masking that. Yeah. And then I, you know, had a really crappy job that I hated. I was could never lose weight, so I felt disgusting in my body in the way that I looked. So, and then I also had, you know, addiction in my family. That's a big one. So mm. having that um, in in your blood is actually leads higher chance of addiction so there's all of these things that can make up why someone would have an addiction and it's like you get that perfect storm and boom that's just the way that it is for you and you have to do that work to unravel um Mm. the whys and you know those root traumas or you know the root causes for why we drink if we don't actually deal with them properly in sobriety which is a journey in itself it's a beautiful journey but and you've probably gone through this as well it's like the whys behind all of my behavior. If we're not dealing with that, there's a much higher chance that we're just going to go back to using alcohol again because we have to work on that trauma and really heal ourselves properly. Yeah, it makes so much sense. Totally. Mm. But I think, you know, when you actually stop drinking or stop the drugs or whatever it is and you eat properly, you have, Mm. I think, a better chance or more ability to like handle those feelings and the trauma and work through it. It's still hard. Yeah. It's painful, but it's more manageable, I think, than if you just, because when you're just exhausted and not sleeping and not eating enough food, you're like, I can't deal with that. It's too harmful. It's too painful. Yeah. Mm. You're I mean, highly activated and reactive yeah. and emotional and you don't deal with the things. Worst. You just drink and then you keep yourself stuck in that cycle. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's horrible. It, it, it is. is. But I think like once you stop and you start to feel better and you like you say like you see this life and you see all the things that you can do, it is, I don't know, like, you know, you talk about people and I agree with you, but I sort of, my personally, I don't like pain. I hate mm-hmm. pain. Like Physical pain. Motivated any sort of pain. Like I don't like, you know, if, if I'm in pain, it's the fear of I don't want to feel like that anymore that really drives me to go, I'm going to do whatever it takes to not be in that pain again. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yes. Yeah. 
that, that's yes. a real, I mean, not everyone's like that, but I just don't, I think about, you know, how I used to feel and, you know, so that we've talked about drugs before. I fucking love cocaine. <laughs> well, I mean, it, yeah. it's, it's designed to be. I'm doing it now. Right. Yeah, I, I think now it'd be just fun to go out and have a big night on, you know, have some lines, but I'm like, I just don't like how I feel after for that few. It's so not worth of, it. Nah. It's too painful. I'm like, I don't want to feel like that. And it's this flow on effective. Then I don't sleep well. Then my training sucks and I'm demotivated at work. I'm like, it's too painful for me to, you know, I mean, I don't know everyone's hard like, like that. The pain, <laughs> I, like- I don't want to be in pain. You know, I just think I don't want to feel like that anymore. Yeah. I just see like cocaine and alcohol and, you know, a few other drugs, not so much like the psychedelics or marijuana are very different, but I see those drugs as, and, and chocolate as well, food, sugar, sugar. It's, they're, they're literally, it's, it's dopamine. It's actually not, you're not craving the alcohol. You're not craving the cocaine. You're not craving the sugar. You're craving the, the dopamine. Maybe I would disagree with you that on sugar. Okay. Okay. In the no. program, I would say like, well, sugar, I don't think, you know, like your cells preferred energy sources. Like when women are craving sugar, most of the time it's because they're under eating carbs and sugar. Okay. Yes. I think okay. like I just have to, I think that I just <laughs> like I agree with the alcohol and the, you know, the cocaine and the, you know. So in terms of like, so this is a big thing in, in early sobriety, women turn to sugar because they're not getting the sugar from alcohol anymore. Do you yeah. think they're also like turning to sugar to get I'd say they're under the eating. dopamine? They're under eating. Under eating. Because like, like you, if you, so many women come into our program, I was the same, like you eat 1200 calories, not enough carbs, not enough sugar, yeah. you built in mechanisms to tell you, you crave sweet. I'm not saying that in some cases they just eat, because there are women, and I've done podcasts on this, you know, the emotional eating. So they'll, they'll actually be adequately fueling their body and they still emotionally eat. So they still reach for the block of chocolate at night. Again, it's like a thing. It's to cope with the feelings. Mm. A lot of women just under eat. Like they okay. just, when they track their food, they're like, oh, kitty, I'm only eating 1,200 calories and 100 grams of carbs. I'm like, well, your body has built-in mechanisms to tell you that you need. So I think if you fill your diet with good nutrient-dense sugars, like fruit, root vegetables, good quality dairy, right? Like obviously you don't want to go and eat cups and cups of white sugar because it doesn't have any nutrients in it. That would just be stupid. But I think I do think a lot of women crave sugar because they just are under eating. Yeah. It's so interesting, isn't it? Mm. And it's so funny, like when we drink, we don't, I used to, I don't know about you, but I used to count my calories and if I drank a bottle of wine, because there's 700 calories in a bottle of wine, I wouldn't eat dinner just to kind of balance that out without thinking of, you know, the turmoil that I was putting my body through and how that was completely fucking up my blood sugar and, you know, all of the other things. It's so crazy. It is so crazy. It's so crazy. I would just eat. I would just go fall off the wagon and binge, end up binging. Binge yeah, I'd try not to eat and then the next day I'd just binge. Yeah. Wish all day. Yeah, um, and that's that blood sugar being completely out of whack from the alcohol. Oh, totally. And you just mm. crave it and then you have a rubbish sleep so you crave you're hungrier the next day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what other questions I was going to ask you? So we talked about saying. So we talked about you know, sleep. sleep. Oh, sleep, yeah. Party, like if you're going to parties, how to say um, no. What about if you don't have a very supportive partner? That's a really good question and it's so hard. Okay, so first of all, communication. So being really clear with them around why you're doing this, if they're not going to support you through that, then, I mean, I would be questioning, you know, bigger questions around that relationship. Yeah, yeah. maybe you should leave your um, husband. Yeah, maybe you should. We've had well, women I mean, in our I, program who've left their husbands who are alcoholics, oh, who drink too much and they wouldn't yeah. support them yet. Totally. It's a, it's yep. definitely a trend. 
women get sober, they start to build up their self-worth and their self-confidence and they, you know, have all of these dreams that they're achieving and this beautiful life and, and the husband just can't kind of keep up and can't understand it and the, the marriage breaks down. But on my, my big, you know, the biggest thing that you can do that, that first kind of week or, sorry, first month or so is anything to do with anyone external, so other than yourself, and that's relationships with your family, relationships with your partner, really put all of that kind of on hold while you focus on building up some really healthy habits and that kind of self-worth inside of you. So all of those behaviors that you need to support yourself in early sobriety, which are the healthy habits, it's getting enough sleep, it's exercising, it's the meditation, um, doing the work. So actually learning about what alcohol was doing to your body and all the stuff that, that we teach inside the course. But it's really focusing number one on that to begin with. And then any other kind of relationship stuff comes next. But communication. So sitting down with your partner and saying, I am taking a break. This is the reason why I'm doing it. I really want to feel better on whatever your reasons are for doing it. And trying to get them on board early on is going to be really helpful. Now, if they're not supportive, that's where it becomes really challenging. And it's almost like a bigger conversation around your relationship probably needs to be had because yeah, we need supportive partners in our life. That's what they're there for. I know. And it's hard. Like I've, a lot of women in our program are saying, I'm my partner's like, why aren't you drinking? Yeah. I'm not very supportive, which is so sad and hard. And yeah. And, and it, you know, something that can, you know, we often see is a lot of women will keep drinking because it allows them to feel more comfortable when having sex. Like sex is a big driver for why people drink. I used to do that all the time. Oh. I used to get wasted and sleep with guys because I was too, like, well, I wouldn't have done it otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's amazing, isn't it, to think, oh, my God, I got naked in front of that person. That, or um, with that person, I fucked that guy. I never would have <laughs> sober. You're like, wake up, you're like, cut the arm off to get out the door and grab all your clothes. Oh, my like, God. Oh, it makes me cringe. It and makes this, me cringe. unprotected sex I had as well. I'm so surprised I didn't have get AIDS or any STDs. Like I just rolled that dice every single time, like high-risk behaviour. Russian roulette kitty yeah. you lived on the edge, like in a major oh, way. So bad. That's, That's what so bad. is. Like, I can't believe like nothing really bad happened to you. You're so lucky. So lucky. I mean, same really. Um, <laughs> but I really encourage anyone who's listening to this to, to see if their partner wants to get on board with them. It can be such mm. a beautiful bonding experience to do something like this together, to mm. strengthen your relationship. It kind of, you can keep each other accountable. You can, I don't know, my partner and I are into health and fitness and I don't know if this is approved in your program, but we can our macros. Is that part of what yeah. you do? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Oh God, yeah, we've yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm like, haven't you listened to one of our million bloody podcasts? We talk about tracking all the time. It's yeah, a big macros. Okay, good, 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 good. Because I haven't, when you were doing it last time, that I don't think macros was part of it. Yeah, it's always been in there. We've oh, always think... got women to track their food. Yeah, always. Tracking, yep. but the macros? Yeah, yeah so tracking. Maybe, maybe I'm just learning macros. about macros yeah. myself now. So maybe. I think it's Eventually. something, yeah. yeah anyway. Anyway, yes, we're on board with the, that. Yeah. We're good, good. The point of this is like we're doing it together and it's fun. Yeah. And it's probably like people who come to your program, it's like come with your partner, do it together. It's fun yeah. and you can keep each other accountable. Um, and doing something like taking a break from drinking together is is a great way to strengthen your relationship. It's it's mm. yeah, that's a really good idea. And you'll just feel yeah. so good at the end of the month or the eight weeks or whatever you decide. Um, is there anything else you think that we haven't talked about? 
but you want to talk about I think about- it's just, you know, getting clear about your your why behind this because that's going to keep you on board for if you do feel kind of wobbly. It's like really staying focused on the reasons, same as your program. It's all about what, you know, the reason for why you're doing it. Doing it. It's setting yourself up for success. So whether that's joining a program like Thrivalist or finding another community, being part of something bigger than just you doing it on your own and kind of stuck at home and, you know, not feeling like you're part of something bigger or more exciting can be so much more motivating to do it that way. Mm. And something that's really important is celebrating and rewarding yourself. So not feeling like you're depriving yourself from alcohol, but instead like looking for healthy ways to reward yourself, you know, planning some beautiful catch-ups with friends, going to the day spa, going and doing yoga, sunrise yoga, doing things that, you know, as I said, with the dopamine boost, boosting things. So things that are beautifully nourishing without being unhealthy is important as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a great first step to take a break from drinking. It's a great first step for like longer term sobriety. And if anyone is considering whether their relationship is healthy or not, it's an indication that potentially it's not most likely. Mm. Um, and so taking a break is just going to be a great place to start. I think too, you know, like, Initially, it will be hard. I think when you, you're like, say, you, you go to the first party and you'll be really prepared, and you'll and then you'll just make these micro decisions not to drink. And every week that goes by, it just becomes this your, the new identity, you know, and it's not even a thing anymore. You know, you don't even really? think about it, right? Like it's just it's strengthening that muscle. I caught up with these friends of mine from uni the other day. I hadn't seen them for like, God, when did we graduate? It's like like twenty something years. And, you know, they got a bottle of wine and and he wasn't pressuring me, but he asked me about five times whether I wanted to drink. I was like, no, 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 I'm sweet. I was like, do you want to drink? I'm like, no, no, I'm good. You guys drink the wine. Um, and, you know, I think when you say no and then you go home and have a great sleep, you act and you think, fuck, I'm so glad I didn't drink last night. I feel so good today. You know, I'm getting up and training. I feel fresh. I still had a great time with them without mm. the drinks, you know. So yeah. it's- you get to have your cake and eat it too. You know what I mean? Like you get to go and have an amazing night and have all the fun that everyone else gets Mm. and you see them at about 11, 12 o'clock starting to go a bit and then things just turn pear-shaped. Anything from 1 a.m., it's like it's a write-off. You don't actually miss out if you on any of the fun part. You get all of the fun and then you get to wake up and feel amazing the next day. It's it's just a win-win. It's so good. Yeah, it is good. It is good. Look, I'm not going to yeah. lie. I still like to have a cocktail every now and then. I went out to our, <laughs> we're, so we're getting married in November at um, La Luna. That's so we're having a 40th oh. for Craig's 40th and then we're going to get married at the same time. Oh. So um, we just went there and tried the food and I tried some of the cocktails that I wanted to have on the menu, like picking the thing, the cocktails. And they were so beautiful. Like there was this, I love, um, this one with coconut, um, but they do these interesting spins on them. They're not like traditional cocktails. And I just really enjoyed it. I had like three, tried the three cocktails. We had all the food. But, you know, you sort of like having more than three because I know if I have more than three, I'm like it's just not good, you know. Mm, so I think yeah. even if you stop for a while, you'll go and have a few drinks and you'll be like this isn't that, it's not that good. Like, you know, you're it's like not. you just do it and you're like, I mean, it was good. I enjoyed it. But it's not like I'm like, fuck yeah, I just want to drink every weekend again, you yeah. know. So, and also the good news is like most places have really beautiful mocktail alcohol. They free. do. They I do. call them alcohol-free cocktails because we don't, yeah. I think mocktail is a kitty name, but they have alcohol-free options. And like what you're describing, Kitty, is, you know, you've still 
enjoying that feeling of what alcohol is doing to your body, obviously. Like you're enjoying yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, enjoyable. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be lying if I said it. it's a drug. Because yeah. it's a drug. It's, it's fun and you ha- you relax and you have a few cocktails. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It is a drug. Yeah. And I yeah. guess like, yeah. And so for anyone who is struggling with their drinking, it's like you, it's so important to know that you can recreate those experiences without alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I was saying before about like that dopamine kick you get when you drink, like you can find that in other ways. Like you can get that in mm-hmm. other experiences, even when you're out, like making sure you're going somewhere that has a beautiful view, just little things like that or yeah. getting it's on the dance floor and having a Good with company. people that you actually fucking like. I think that's a good yes. well, like my sister was telling you there's <laughs> all these people that I just realized that I don't really like that much. Totally. Um, and you Looking have up with a really hot person, you know? Yeah. That's, fun. that's a good well, You know what I when I don't drink, which is most of the time, I just drink Coke. I just like Coke. Yeah. Craig and I just yeah. drink Coke. You know? Did you drink Coke or Coke Zero? Which one's the Coke? Coke. Coke. Okay. Drink normal sugary Coke, you know? Like yeah. I'm not saying you have to drink yeah. Coke. You drink the mocktail, whatever you want. Um, sometimes I like lemon lime bitters. Like I like yes. refreshing, you know, that's nice. Sometimes I just drink sparkling mineral water. You know, yeah. I just don't care now. I don't really, if people say to me, why not drink? I'm like, I'm just not drinking. You know, I just so don't good. know. It's not an issue for me now to say no, but people don't even ask me really. Like, yeah. You know. Good. So, but I, know, I get what you mean. It's hard, I think, at the start. And if you've totally. got it in your hand so people aren't, they think that you're drinking. Yes, Don't and also it. just like that awkward moment of the the bar, the waiter saying, "Can I order your drink, please?" Like that moment in itself, mm. being so prepared with that moment, so that you're not, yeah, thrown off. It's not awkward. Yeah. It's just like, bang! I know what I'm getting. No question. And eventually, it. it's not even a thing. Yeah, it, it's it just is how you are. Mm. And then eventually, people don't even ask you because they know they don't. <laughs> like Craig, people don't. Most people don't ask Craig now because they know that he just doesn't they drink. Just know. Like, well, they certainly to- don't ask me, that's for sure, because yeah. I preach about it nonstop, left, right, and center. probably like, fuck, we don't want to get her started. Nobody- <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> it's true. Oh, I love that. Oh, okay, all right. So talk about, so you've got the course. I'll put all the links. What, there's a course. What have you got? What, what yeah, you- so for, for, yeah, so we have a, an eight-week course actually in July, launching on the 1st of July, which is so exciting. It's eight modules across eight weeks and Mm. inside the course you're going to learn everything that you need to know to not only kind of decondition your subconscious beliefs around alcohol but so that you get to a point where you don't actually want to drink anymore like that's my mission it's to help women get to a place with like oh I could drink but oh my god why would I want to I've Mm. you know my life is too good to even bother drinking um, and then as part of the course there's also access to a membership where there's a huge community of amazing women from all over Australia. We have a couple of um, US members and a couple from the UK, so global kind of. Um, And then there's also heaps of expert. We have access to experts in there. So there's psychologists, there's uh, life coaches, kinesiologists, all Mm. these different types of amazing experts. Um, And we have coaching calls. So we've got three group coaching calls every week, which are really beautiful. It's, you know, it's such a beautiful space to come together and, you know, we get deep. There's tears, but it's all part of it. And it's, it's a really therapeutic, beautiful experience. So that's launching on the 1st of July. And, yeah, you can sign up on the website. Awesome. All right. Well, I'll pop all the details below and your Instagram, so go and follow you. And I think, yeah, if you struggle, like get help, get support. That's why you're best in coaching, you yeah, know. For you sure. Can- you need that sort of external accountability until it just becomes your norm, until you're internal, and it gets totally gets easier, I think, with, like, uh, anything. So thanks so much for reaching out to me and coming on. That's been great. Oh, thanks for having yeah. me, Kitty. It's been so fun. 
Awesome. Awesome. Well, um, as always, guys, take a screenshot of the episode and share your biggest takeaways on Instagram stories and tag me at K-I-T-T-Y-B-L-O-M-F-I-E-L-D. And each month I pick a winner and they get a tub of saturated premium collagen valued at $79. And I will see you again next week. Thank you.